And then at times I'm so weak from loving, I couldn't even carry a tune. Welcome everyone to Backtracks Aerosmith Revisited. My name is Corey Morissette, joined as always by the sexiest man in podcasting, Scott Kahaskin. How are you doing tonight, Scott? I'm really excited, Corey. I feel like I'm actually a fan of Aerosmith again, because just last week I found on vinyl one Toys in the Attic Yay. on eBay for $5.85 in excellent condition. I love that your price range is like $6. I got to get this classic <laughs> album, but I'm not going to pay more than $6 for it. I I, I think I paid 20 for mine. I'm being it frugal. It's an original pressing. Oh, wow. That that I probably, well, I don't think the one I had originally uh, years ago was an original pressing. And I realized, though, that I never had permanent vacation on vinyl. I bought that on cassette. Oh, yes. It's definitely worth it on vinyl. I've got yeah. the entire catalog on vinyl now. Uh, of speaking course. of uh, speaking of old and musty things, John Mariano's here. How you doing, John? I like how you know we started working on this podcast together. Scott joined us. He's now a, a staple in this, and he gets such a much more impressive introduction. And then I, and also John. Well, his check cleared, so <laughs> poor shit. <laughs> Which is yeah. why I have to keep my purchases under six dollars. That's so, right. so, 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 Scott is an established author with books for sale. Yes, and you can go buy those books on Amazon. Correct. Nice. And, Thank you. And, and, and I'm, you know, it sounds like I'm about to endorse Scott. We know me far too well. <laughs> and Scott's favorite song is a movie. Mm -hmm. It's the and movie. And and to tie this all together, our sponsor, Ken Knapsack, wrote a book about a movie called Why We Love Star Wars, The Great Moments That Built a Galaxy Far, Far Away. We're recording this on Star Wars Day, and you might be a little bit late, but go find the Star Wars love of your life or friend or foe and go buy them this book on eBay or on Amazon today. Um, don't buy it on eBay because it's a secondhand market. Buy it on Amazon. Do it today. It's you know what? a tremendous book. Absolutely. This isn't just a Star Wars day. This is kind of the Star Wars day because Carrie Fisher got her star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame today. That's right. It's about fucking time. Yeah. yeah. My first reaction was, how how did this not happen sooner? It's not even that she's like Hollywood royalty. You know, be, 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 being De De Debbie Reynolds' daughter, it's not just that she is, you know, Princess Leia, an icon, right? She is such an influence in Hollywood. Like, if you look at the script doctoring she has done in her career, mm -hmm. um, the amount of classic movies she has personally touched and improved is beyond whatever you're thinking. Right. And, and and there's a movie or 10 movies you love that Carrie Fisher helped put the words to. And right now we're dealing with the writer's strike. And, and I, I couldn't think of a more relevant person to get their star today. 
And it's a shame it took her this long to be recognized. Yeah. And she is a published author too. Her book Into the Pink did very well, was a, a bestseller on the New York list. Um, but yeah, you're right. She, I think she had a lot more impact than people realized because of all the scripts that she worked on besides her appearances in movies like Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back or When Harry Met Sally. She actually worked behind the scenes on a lot of things. And she was really one of the first strong female characters to be in a movie next to maybe Jamie Lee Curtis. I'm showing the boys on the call this right now. Uh, just weeks before she sadly passed away, my family and I got to meet uh, Carrie Fisher ah. at a fan expo in Saskatoon, and she was absolutely lovely. And you can see her dog, Gary, there. He was sick, actually, that weekend. So uh, <laughs> Gary didn't move from the couch, uh, but uh, absolutely wonderful lady. The, the, this was our family picture that year. Uh, she sadly passed away a few weeks after we got that picture taken. So uh, we, we didn't uh, get a lot of celebrity pictures taken after that, thinking we were jinxed. Uh, the next one was with Michael Rooker, who is uh, oh. fortunately uh, still with us. Yes. But um, uh, just to piggyback on uh, John a little bit here, Ken Napsok. If you go to KenNapsok.com, and I went to his website just to make sure, you can still get signed copies of Why We Love Star Wars for only $40. So I mm -hmm. would highly recommend everybody pick that up. It's one of my favorite Star Wars books. Uh, there's so many moments in there because I haven't watched everything like Rebels or uh, Clone Wars or anything like that that he goes through in such loving detail that I, I thought I'd... I, I'd seen them, and uh, it was it was just a, a really wonderful book. Uh, he, he's a great guy, and I just uh, could not recommend uh, his book enough. And, and what this book is, is it's not just like tidbits about Star Wars. It's truly written from the fans' point of view on why it's 100 great moments in Star Wars in media. And, you know, Ken picks them out and then writes short, short essays about the moments and, and very with a very personal touch on why it inspired him or why it touches him or why it moves him or why it made his list. And, 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 and it's that specific point of view, you know, much like Scott's books, you know, only Scott K. Askin can write his books. Right. And I'm, I'm in the middle of reading them right now. And look, it's not universal court is not something that could pour out of me which is reason enough for me to read it because, because in reading it, it inspires me to do different things and try different things because Scott has this wonderful perspective on the world, right? Wow. Ken also has a perspective on the world. Don't, don't give us this fake. Oh, like you still put <laughs> sh shitty movies on the fucking soundtrack. <laughs> well, we'll see if it ever gets made into a movie. But thank you, John. That that means a lot to me that you're even taking the time to read it. Yeah. Have you ever heard a compliment just turn like on a dime, like, like, like only John Mariano can do? I really love Scott's writing. And fuck off with that noise you just made. It was, <laughs> That's why I stopped uh, dating. I lost my train of thought because he's like, oh, like he was touched. Like, like just let it fucking breathe, man. <laughs> you're a piece of shit anyway. He's a great author and... Well, thank you, I think. Uh, you know, speaking of things that are great, though, we are part of an unbelievable network of podcasts that deep dive into all kinds of different bands, including bands like Aerosmith, our show right here, Uriah Heep on the Magician's Podcast, Deep Purple, Leonard Skinner, Black Sabbath, Queen, a couple of times, 
Hawkwind, uh, Iron Maiden, Ozzy Osbourne, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Judas Priest. In fact, uh, I'm not sure. I think this uh, this will have already come out, but I was a guest on the Judas Priest cast with George and Hattie not too long ago. That was a great time. Uh, so far, so pod, so what? Tom Petty, The Seaside Pod Review, another Queen show, uh, and Volume for All, Rock Roulette podcast regarding Lulu, and of course, our friends, Sean Geek and Fast Fret. I uh, I love that show. It's it's really just a variety of whatever they want to talk about. And I also use Fastbret when I record my bass so that it's not squeaky. And uh, and our buddy Eric over at Booked on Rock. A lot of great people were associated with. Absolutely. Uh, go on over to deepdivepodcastnetwork.com. Uh, there's links to all the shows on there. Uh, just looking on here now, we got some new episodes from In the Lap of the Pods. Maiden A to Z got a new one up there this week. Uh, so far, so pod, so what? Seaside Pod Review. Uh, you can get them all on the homepage, uh, all the latest episodes. Uh, you're bound to find a show uh, that speaks to you on the Deep Dive Podcast Network. This one specifically is about Aerosmith. So let's talk about Aerosmith. Last week, uh, man, we we rolled a good one uh, from Toys in the Attic, the aforementioned album that Scott finally picked up for under $6 on vinyl because he's a cheap son of a bitch. You see me <laughs> crying, which automatically uh, took a spot uh, on the uh, all-time Aerosmith top nine. Uh, where it resides currently between the other side and crazy, uh, which means now we're going to the dice. And the dice, boy, I tell you, it's a little eclectic here. We got I'm Down, uh, which is a song we've been talking about ad nauseum for about three months now. Don't Get Mad, Get Even, which was put on the dice from one Scott K. Haskin. Uh, Hole in My Soul from A Little South of Sanity. And then we have the uh, triumvirate from Just Push Play, Out of Your Head, Light Inside, and Jaded. John Mariano, uh, you put three of these songs on the dice because I'm a dipshit. What are you hoping to roll here tonight? I'm down. You're down again? Again. Try yeah, a little reverse just... psychology. It, no, yeah, I, no, 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 it is working. <laughs> oh, you're a son of a bitch. Scott, what are you hoping to roll? Uh, using my reverse psychology, I will pick all five of the other songs. There you go. Uh, the song I want to hear the least a God is probably hole in my soul from a little self of sanity. So I'm going to pick that. I'm going to use right. reverse psychology. So let's roll this fucker and let's see what we come up with. And we get light inside from just push play. Uh, John, you pick this one. Uh, why? Because I'm trying to burn this album as quickly as I can. <laughs> <laughs> That's the uh, God honest reason. No, no, I have not heard it. No, I don't care to hear it. Yes, I know you're going to force me to hear it. And that's why we're, I put it on the dice is if I have to hear it, I want to hear it now. And now that song 300, when we've done 299 of these episodes, and then we have to listen to just post play songs. I like how you say you're going to force me to play it. it. It was your pick. I'm not forcing anything. You're forcing us to play it here tonight. You know who sticks to all the rules? Like as far as I'm concerned, we could skip like entire albums here, and I'd be fine with it. <laughs> Is this one of the albums you would skip? Just yes. Play? Twice. Okay. Twice. Uh, what have we got uh, on the dice from Just Push Play? Is it just uh, Just Push Play? I think maybe the only track we've ever covered off this one. We'll, we'll get ready to replace the song because I don't have to replace one to this week. That's right. That's right. I, I'm 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 taking your spot for you, uh, Scott. You were a young man in 2001 of 16 years old. Uh, did you uh, catch any of Just Push Play uh, around that time? 
Oh, I wish I was. I think I was already a pile of bones and dust by then. Um, nope. I don't believe I've heard any anything uh, off that album that I'm aware of. There, it, what was the uh, the big hits off of that one? <laughs> well, the big hit was uh, was Jaded. Uh, okay. Yeah, the, the video had uh, Mila Kunis in it. Uh, it was a really oh. good video. Uh, nope, Just Push I... Play was also uh, a single, and it was also used in a, a Dodge Ram commercial. It was one, it was a truck commercial anyway. They played no. that song. Uh, the other single was, uh, they had two more, Fly Away From Here uh, and Sunshine. Uh, but mm. uh, th this one uh, wasn't a huge hit uh, for the bad boys from Boston. Um, let's see, year-end charts on the U.S. Billboard. It peaked at number 89. Uh, it's uh, certified platinum. Uh, in the U.S., just a million uh, sold, Aww. which coming off of Get a Grip and Pump and things like that is a, a pretty hard come down. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't a huge hit. Again, they used uh, song collaborators like Marty Fredrickson, Mark Hudson, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, this song here is uh, credited to Steven Tyler, Joe Perry, and Marty Fredrickson. Uh, it's the second last track on Just Push Play uh, right before Avant Garden. Uh, so what do you say? Let's spin light inside from 2001's Just Push Play. I can't wait. Gentlemen, Scott, musically, what do you think? I like that filter on the drums in the beginning. I think it gives it something really uh, an intriguing sound. And you know that at some point they're going to drop the filter off and the drums are going to kind of explode into the song. Um, I think it's an interesting opening. I I'm curious to see where the song goes from here. Johnny? I feel like Steven Tyler's old Nathus Touch dick just rubbed its way into my ear hole. That doesn't sound pleasant. Uh, it it kind of reminded me of Elaine Bennis's dancing. It's a full dry heave set to music in a way. It was just kind of, <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, let's keep rolling. <laughs> It sounds like they're trying to sound like the music that came out 10 years earlier. Like they're trying to be like the Aerosmith version of the grunge movement. And they're still a little bit too, you know, shiny um, because they're too much of the like glam rock band they had become. And it just sounds very try hard to me. It does sound like it's maybe eight years too late, doesn't it? Eight years too late, and also old and out of touch, and and like I want to sound like this thing, and yeah, you couldn't like you don't have that, you don't you you don't have that gear. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like we, we want to sound like Ministry, but Aerosmith at the same time. I, yeah, I got I, major I, Jesus built my hot rod vibes from that. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely feel that. I I was trying to put it 
put my finger on what it was reminding me of, but no, you you nailed it, John. That's absolutely it. Um, the other thing on that drum filter in the beginning that I was trying to think of when was the first time I heard that trick being used? I believe it was on No Doubt's album Return of the Saturn, which came out a year earlier in 2000. Um, an excellent album. But I think by the time this song came around, that was kind of already played out. That's a pretty smoking bass line, though. Yeah. Oh, Tom can play. Yeah, e even in the later stuff, right? We always kind of point out the bass, like, wow, the bass is actually good. Uh, everything else, though, uh, I don't know. Scott, it, what do you think? It, it just seems like they found a chord, and they're like, hey, I like this chord, and I'm just going to keep strumming it, and then maybe I'll change it and then strum that for a while. Like, there's really no melody to the song. It's almost all rhythm. It, it's like they punched up Nine Inch Nails uh, on the board. It yeah. just went through that filter, right? But you know, neglected to put any nuance into it, like Nine Inch Nails would. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like I dropped my keys in Oscar the Grouch's home, and now I'm trying to fish through his house to try and get my keys, and you guys are trying to play a song on the outside of his house while I'm stuck inside of his house. <laughs> the visual I'm getting from that is just, it's priceless. Oh, you can expect more of that. Like you and I will talk about music and then John will be like, I feel like Snuffleupagus is stepping on my nuts while sticking his trunk up my ass. <laughs> he, he's the master of the metaphor. That he is. I feel like they took the Beatles song all together now, all too literally. And they're just all at the same time going to the same volume, to the same pitch, to the same everything together, whether it's the guitar, the drums, the bass, Stephen's voice. It's all, it's all just hitting the same levels at the same time. It has this eerie going in and out sounding like bullshit and nonsense thing going on that I fucking hate. Yeah, it's very linear. You know, yeah. it, it's, okay, here's the note. Now go half step up. Now here's the other note. Now go half step up. Nope, nope, nope. Back to the first note. Okay, now I have step up. That's all they're doing. Yeah, and, and lyrically, I don't know about you guys, but none of these lines together make any coherent sense, do they? Uh, lay, yeah, introduce you to my point of view. Me, I want to get under your skin. I want to find you from the pleasures that I get from you. I want to drag you from the outside to within. Okay, what was the drug status at this point? Uh, fucking sober, as far as I could tell. This is 2001, yeah. Oh, and, they, and you said they, they brought songwriters in, right, for this? Yeah, yeah, this is Marty Fredrickson that co-wrote this one. He also uh, co-produced the album with Steven Tyler, Joe Perry, and Mark Hudson. I think this is what you call verses from a hat. If you've ever oh, seen yeah. Whose Line yeah. Is It Anyway, it, yep. it almost feels like that. Like they just picked these out of a hat and said, okay, if I had to write four lines that started with the light and end in IGHT, what do you do? 
and you get this. If Ryan Styles or Colin Mockery wrote this fucking song, it would be 30 times better. Yeah, and for Wayne sure. Brady 100 times. And he can sing. Absolutely. guitars doing there like again like the like tom on the bass is killing it yeah. but the guitars were clashing and you don't usually get that from joe perry and brad whitford but they were just kind of fucking butting heads that whole time scott can i ask you a te- technical question sure that um do you know anything about like like brass is like the, like the trumpet a little bit yeah so like if you use the trumpet and and like you use the uh slidey piece Mm-hmm. Like I would call it the slidey piece. What's that actually technically called? The slide. Does the trumpet have a slidey piece? Is it, is it called the slide? Well, the trumpet doesn't have one. The trombone does. Oh, uh, is that what it is? Yeah. So maybe I'm thinking of trombone. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to find me the rustiest, nastiest trombone you can find. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I want you to get the slide piece and just fucking jam it into my ears the next time I say, let's listen to this song. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're doing the non-literal version of that right now. I, I feel, you know, and it's like I, I say with almost every Aerosmith song that just doesn't hit for me is like, but this one element is so good. Like the bass is so good or the drums are so good. Um, I don't think the drums are anything spectacular. I don't think the guitars are anything spectacular. The vocals are just like, he's, he's just, it, it feels like he's on a mushroom trip and he's just found one tone to sing in. And I mean, the lyrics are just abysmal and they take something abysmal and just keep repeating it. You know, the light inside is burning bright. The light inside makes everything all right. Ooh. Oh, yeah. I mean, all right. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I'm not a great lyric writer, but I can say in elementary school, I was writing better lyrics than this. It, it, it's a filler track. It's an album track. It's, yeah. you know, it's, it's fodder, right? It's the second to last track on the album. That's usually where you put the shittiest song, right? I, I feel like it's like th- like that. Like there's some kind of circumstance that created this thing. Like, guys, we need one more track. Just go go jam something real quick and we'll throw some lyrics on it. Like I don't I don't feel like they put anything into this. Well, I found an interesting quote from Joe Perry about uh, the entire album Just Push Play. And he says, and I quote, I don't think we've made a decent album in years. Just Push Play is my least favorite. When we recorded it, there was never a point where all five members were in the room at the same time, and Aerosmith's major strength is playing together. It was a learning experience for me. It showed me how not to make an Aerosmith record. Well, okay, so there's there's the other side of things. So I asked about the drugs, but I, what I didn't ask about and should have was what was the status really of the band? Because it sounds like there are a bunch of people that show up to the same job, but they're not working together. Yeah, I think... Uh, Nine Lives, maybe uh, there there was some friction in the band. It didn't do as well as the uh, previous albums before that. So three years later, they they go in to record Just Push Play, and yeah, it's 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 five individuals uh, re- recording their parts and then mixing it all together and making an album. And that's not Aerosmith's strength, like Joe Perry said. Yeah, well, I mean, most rock and roll bands that came from the '60s and '70s, their their creation is being in the same room jamming together, all being a part of that cohesive unit. 
And, you know, I remember like after Queensryche started falling apart, I think it was two albums after Operation Mindcrime, they didn't, they didn't even meet. They sent ADAT tapes across the country to each other to record parts. And, uh, and the album was shit. And that's why, like, if you're a band, you've got to be together. You're going to stop in the middle of the guitar solo, John? I hate everything that's happening right here. Oh. <laughs> I just, I, yes, I'm, I, I wanted to interrupt the guitar solo to highlight what a pile of dog shit this entire song is. And you can tell me how good a bass line is only so many times, right? You bought a piece of shit car with a, with, with, with a fancy hood ornament. And that's what we're looking at right now, right? There is nothing good, right? You bought you bought the Ghostbusters uh, firehouse, and like you, you you shined the fire pole and did nothing else to it. I, I think you just bought the Atari twenty six hundred game of Ghostbusters, and <laughs> that's all you got. You know, I I don't. I, I tell me if what you guys think, but I don't typically think of him. I'm assuming that's Joe on the solo. I, I don't typically think of him as a shredder, but I feel like this was his attempt to be a shredder. In a lot of ways, yeah. And like you said, he's not known as a shredder uh, for good reason. And and I don't know, the, the tone was off. Like from what yeah. we're used to from Joe Perry, you, you get a much thicker, fuller guitar tone, right? This is very thin mm -hmm. and kind of junky sounded. But I didn't mind what Brad uh, was doing uh, on rhythm. And of course, that bass line is killer. I, I got to ask you guys, um, how many, uh, usually when a band goes into a studio to record an album, it's usually one studio. How many studios do you think Aerosmith used to record Just Push Play? Six. Six? Scott? I'm going to say three. Eight. Well, wait, are we? Oh, eight. Eight studios. Holy crap. That's ridiculous. This album was recorded at the Boneyard, uh, which is Joe Perry's studio. Longview Farm Studio in Massachusetts, Ocean View Studio, Sound Techniques, Village Recorders, Pearl White Studios, the studio in the Sunset Marquee, and what in the what the studios? Do you now you know the album overall? Does it have a cohesive sound to it? No, it's it, it's kind of all over the place, and oh. it sounds like a band trying to be something they're not. Mm. Very much like this track. Yeah.
would rather you touch my eyeball with your raw pinky than make me listen to the song again. Just to clarify, is pinky a metaphor for something? I mean, it could be, but it's not in this case. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I hate a couple things about that last section we just heard. I, I feel like they're like, oh, let's throw some flange on it. That'll make it better. And then the little gospel choir, let's all clap our hands and keep right. singing the shitty chorus. Um, yeah, this this song's fairly abysmal. And it's weird because I, I'm just finding Aerosmith for me is really hit and miss. They either make a great song or some kind of crap. Well, and we'll see when we vote uh, which camp uh, we all agree uh, this belongs in. But we've got 15 seconds left. Let's finish this turd off. That's how you want to end your song. Uh, that's that's the, the Jay Giles freeze frame ending right there. <laughs> Without the oh, sound my. of the camera shutter. <laughs> Light inside from Just Push Play. Uh, that was a thing we listened to. Uh, let, let's start with John, who still hasn't come up with a metaphor worse than Kevin Brown's that he did on our episode of Backtracks Theme Music, where he said uh, he would rather guide his father into his mother that attend a Nickelback concert. Uh, John, can you come up with something uh, better than that? What would you rather do than listen to this song again? I would rather listen to the movie. Ooh. (laughs) Shots fired. (laughs) All right. So Light Inside, episode 64. Uh, It was never released as a single. Uh, If we're going to put it on a mixtape, it's going to be on the deep cut. Scott, do you think it belongs there? Let me put it this way. Um, I had I had updated my Facebook to include my role on this show because I realized I hadn't hadn't put that on there yet. Um, and I got an email from somebody telling us very politely that we should start doing three songs per show and, you know, blah, blah. But then they blocked me and I couldn't respond to it. I feel like that's what just happened here. Like that's that's the Facebook equivalent of listening to the song. Three songs per show? What yeah, the fuck? because they want like 70-minute shows, I guess. And I, I don't know, maybe they just don't want us to take a couple of years to get this done, but whatever. Yeah, they, they aren't They aren't here. Um, yeah, I, I don't... Again, you know, a baseline is never enough to save a song for me. Um, I just don't think there was a lot to pull from here that I can say really much positive. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I usually wait till last, but I'm going to go here and just make it official. Uh, I don't think it belongs on the deep cuts. Uh, I mean, recap what's on there, but everything we have on there is much better than this. Uh, it, it, it's an album track and not a great one at that, right? It's, it's hey, we got, you know, three minutes and 34 seconds left a room uh, on the CD. Let's just, you know, jerk off something and, and, and put it on the album uh, right yeah. before Avant Garden. Uh, so Light Inside, uh, I don't think belongs on deep cuts. John, uh, you've been kind of, uh, uh, confusing uh, your your thoughts on this one here. Uh, maybe uh, clarify for us. How do you feel about Light Inside? I hate this song so very much that I can't even bullshit you and and and, and try to get the movie off this week. Right? That I, is better than Kevin Brown. You did it. I I I I, I so badly want to keep this whole 
we need to get this movie off of here. We do need to get the movie off of the fucking soundtrack. But if every other Aerosmith song sounded like this, the movie would make make the soundtrack no matter what. Like I can't, I I can't justify it. Like this has sucked all the life out of me. Um, I feel like I've just got gotten head with a cheese grater. Like no, nothing, nothing good has come out of this at all. I want to go cry in a cup of um, lukewarm tea now. All right, there you have it. Uh, light inside, uh, not make the deep cut side. I'm assuming uh, I, I can speak for everyone. It's not going to make either of our nasty cuts at this point either. Correct. I, I don't think it belongs on the album, let alone on one of our mixtapes. <laughs> you know what? Uh, Aerosmith just announced this week, as we're recording this, first week of May, they're releasing yet another compilation album uh, to coincide with their farewell tour, the Peace Out tour. Uh, it's going to have 44 fucking tracks on it that you all already own 100 times over. This is a band that has released more compilation albums than actual albums Maybe Light Inside makes it. Who knows? They, they, their whole big selling point was it spans five decades. So they're going to have uh, one turkey uh, from the 2000s on it. So uh, who knows? Maybe Light Inside makes it. I mean, how how could it even be a cash grab for the record company at this point anymore? It's like, if, if you like the cover artwork, buy it because you've got every song that's on here at least three times in your collection. I mean, only your diehard collectors, like your completists, are going to be people buying new compilations from this band at this point. It boggles the mind. And like for the first time in 44 years, no, they, they released 17 compilation albums at this point. <laughs> we got all these songs. It's fine. Just go on the tour uh, right off in a blaze of glory. No more fucking compilation. Albums. Is there, is there any bonus or, or exciting material on it? Or is it just literally straight from the studio tracks? Oh, they haven't announced yet. They haven't even oh. announced the artwork. If you go to the Aerosmith uh, store to pre-order the album, the four LP uh, album, it says, uh, you know, it, it just has the logo, like artwork, not final. So they haven't even got the artwork finalized yet. Okay, four LPs. I'm going to guess we're looking at $68. Oh, at least. More than that, I paid 100 bucks for a four LP uh, Van Halen record not that long ago. So I think you're looking at more than that. Well, yeah, but that was a specifically limited edition one, right? That's true, yep. Yeah. So for a best of, for a band that's released 17 best of albums, but, but because I know the cost of vinyl, um, I'm going to guess six, around $68 would be my my guess for for a four, four piece set. Because you can get most new uh, two disc albums for like 38. All right. I'm, I'm going to look this up now. You guys chat amongst yourselves. I'm, I'm, I'm find... curious. I, I think John still got his headphones on mute. <laughs> I don't want to do the show anymore. <laughs> okay, I, I have the price here. How much did you say, Scott, for the four LP Super Deluxe? Sixty-eight. Uh, try a hundred and eighty dollars American. What? For a compilation? Yep, they're, they're out of their fucking minds. Uh, the ultimate greatest hits, celebrating fifty years of Aerosmith for the first time ever. Forty-four tracks spanning their five-decade career. Stunning live photography and photos across their 50-year career, four black and white lithographs, and then four albums, 180 gram custom color vinyl, $180. So no compa companion DVD, no booklet, no nothing, just a couple of pictures and 
as far as the live stuff goes, like that's not even part of a package anymore because you can just go Aerosmith live on Google and see a McTrillion pictures of Aerosmith live. There's yeah. nothing special there. That is and, very disappointing. And for just the regular uh, four LP set, not on color vinyl, uh, limit four per customer, they say right on there, make sure you don't buy more than four, $150. Good God. Well, I mean, the good news is I don't have to walk down the strip and show any leg trying to make any money tonight. And, and the uh, CD, the, oh, the greatest hits uh, lenticular CD, $14. That's a little <laughs> more affordable. <laughs> wow. I I feel, I, I kind of feel like even Aerosmith completists at this point are probably going to be like, you know what, this is just over the top. I'm one of them. And I haven't bought like the last five. Uh, yeah. compilations because i got all these fucking songs already i'm not right it again yeah i mean do at and, least do what the beatles do give me different mixes give me give me demo versions give me some reason not not just here's a collection from all the albums you already own that's just gratuitous yeah uh, unbelievable uh yeah. john anything uh let, let's wrap this sucker up anything you want to talk about anything you want to promote yeah i want to say that. i don't think the song's ever been played live Oh, we haven't done that, have we? Let me mm. look it up. Do, 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 do. It has. Why do they hate their audience this much? <laughs> All right. It's time. Thank you, Johnny. How many times did Aerosmith perform Light Inside in concert? Uh, I'll, I'll give John a break because he reminded me. Let's start with Scott Haskins. Scott, how many times do you think Aerosmith th performed this song? I'm going to say Three drunken nights. Three drunken nights. Okay, uh, John Mariano. I was gonna say three as well, <laughs> and I don't even want to win this one, so I'm gonna say two. <laughs> well, guess what? Now that means Scott Haskin has won. The correct answer is twenty-five times. Wow. Only in 2001, 2002. So last time they played it, February 3rd, 2002 in Tokyo, Japan. So 25 audiences got ripped off for their concert ticket money that, on, on those nights. That's sad. All right, John. Uh, thank you for reminding me. We haven't played the game yet. Now, is there anything else uh, you want to plug before we call it a night here? Well, wanna... please, please tell me that this does not appear on a live album. I'll, I'll, I'll try and look that up uh, while Johnny's talking. Okay. I, 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 want, I want to plug um, your, like, don't listen to the song. Like, if you have the desire to listen to this song, what I want you to do is literally anything else. Find something else to do and fill the time with that, whatever that is. I don't care. Just don't listen to this song. Well, uh, thanks to Scott. Good news, everybody. There is a live version on a live album. Rockin' the Joint uh, has a version of Light Inside. So we are going to hear this one again. <laughs> Good job, Scott. I feel like uh, like somebody just took a pin to the Mariano balloon and deflated it. You know, maybe I should put that on the dice for, for uh, since I get to pick. That's right, Corey. You need to replace your uh, your song. Or you need to replace John's song. I, I need to replace John's song. Uh, so what what am I thinking? Should I put Light Inside Live? No. But I am going to go newer. 
I need a song I like. I'm going to Honkin' on Bobo. We've only done one song from Honkin' on Bobo, and it was a really good one. It's on my nasty cuts right now. Uh, you got to move. I'm going to go a little Road Runner from Honkin' on Bobo. Mm. That'll get you guys back in the Aerosmith mood. That's a really killer cover. Oh, it's a cover. Yes, Honkin' yeah. on Bobo is all covers. Oh, okay. It's, it's about the su- superhero from Arizona who always beats the coyote. Hmm. Is he technically a superhero? I guess maybe. I mean, I I think he 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 can walk on air. He can he can run through rocks. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that he has enough qualifiers to be a superhero. James Gunn, if you're listening, and I know you are, uh, you're in charge of the the Warner Brothers universe right now. Let, let let's get a Roadrunner superhero movie. Put him in the DCEU or whatever the hell you're calling it nowadays. Hmm. What would that be? Uh, Hanna Barbera, right? Was uh. That's Looney Tunes. Yeah, Looney Tunes was Warner Brothers. Oh, it was, so, okay. So, so is Hanna-Barbera. did Flintstones. Uh, is it? Yeah, yeah, they own that okay. as well. They, they just aren't doing anything with all the great IPs they own. Like McGilla Gorilla, one of my yeah, all-time they, favorites? They own that. Hmm. Fuck, they had some good shit. Loved or, uh, Mr. Or... Were you going to say Mr. Magoo? Mr. Magoo wasn't Hanna-Barbera, though. He was someone else, right? I don't remember. I don't know. I was trying to think of if Shmoo was Hanna-Barbera or not. I want to say it was. Snagglepuss? He was Hanna-Barbera, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y- Yogi Bear. Yep. Um, Boo-Boo. Was Scooby-Doo. Captain Caveman? Captain Caveman. Oh, Captain Caveman, yeah. The Flintstones, the Jetsons, Jersey and the Pussycats. There's a cinematic universe that we need, right? Let's get all the Hanna-Barbera properties going. Yeah. Jabberjaw. Jabberjaw, I don't remember that one. You guys, you guys who love Jabberjaw, drummers. I mean, I, I don't get how Corey's never heard of Jabberjaw. I've had a few whiskeys. I don't know who the hell's Jabberjaw. Hong Kong Fooey, underdog. Oh, underdog, of course. Yeah. Oh, Jabberjaw was a shark. Yeah, I remember him. Yeah, lots Scooby of good stuff. Dee. Yeah. Yeah. So Anyways, they, I mean, we're, they we're... they've made Flintstones movies and they've made. Um, Scooby-Doo movies. I think that's all we've gotten so far, right? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. They, did a, they did a live-action Jersey and the Pussycats years ago with Rachel, Rachel Lee Cook as a Jersey. Oh, that's right. right. Yeah, Very popular, too. It wasn't a big hit, but it's going to become a cult classic. Yeah. If only there were a show that covered music from movies. If like only. Someone backtracks start. theme music with our hey. own Corey Morissette and John Mariano, an excellent show that if you guys aren't listening to uh, when this podcast is done, you should go flip over to that one and check out every episode they've ever done. Really? Everyone? We, every we one of them. Have, we must add a couple of stinkers in there. Nope. Every one of them is primo material. As we record this last one that came out, uh, Kevin Brown was on and he did an awesome job. That was a great discussion mm-hmm. about uh, some kind of wonderful in the band Furniture, who I'd never heard before. So, I think that was one of your best episodes yet. Oh, thank you. And we're going to yeah. get you on to talk a little Gladiator soon, aren't we? Yeah, we got to do that. That's going to be fun. Gladiator 2 is coming in. I'm just ready to talk movies now all night. I uh, hope you guys uh, don't have anything else to do. I have no life. Gladiator 2, uh, Pedro Pascal, I think, is going to be in that now. Yeah, I, I'm curious where they're going with the story. Um, are they going post-Maximus or pre-Maximus or where where in the timeline is it going to fall? Post. Uh, it's a sequel. Ma- Connie Nelson's it, back in it. Oh, okay. It, it, it takes place in modern Rome. 
Hey, Max don't laugh. Next. There was there was a version of the Gladiator Two script that that kind of did that. We'll talk about that on the Gladiator Show. We got to wrap this sucker up. Uh, Scott, anything yeah. you want to plug here, real quick, before we go? Sure. Yeah. Uh, just uh, go to my website www.scotthaskin.com, and that's uh, everything I've got going on. Go buy a book. Come on. Yeah, I, I know you got the money. Go 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 buy some books for fuck's sakes. Uh, on behalf of Scott Haskin and John Mariano, my name is Corey Marsha. Thank you very much for listening to our bullshit here this week. And we'll see you next time on uh, Backtracks. No, it's not theme music. Fuck. We're still Backtracks. Yeah, I, I got that part right. But I, I fucked up the ending. Here we go. Let's try this. And as always, let's give the final word to Steven Tyler. So